Welcome to Sad Styles Productions. Let me run you through our daily specials. On Tuesday, relive your childhood gaming memories on the Retrograde Podcast. On Thursday, the Jackass crew relives the pain and glory of the TV show Jackass. Also on Thursday, Mikey and Brian let you in on all the secrets of sports marketing on the sign-off, a framework podcast. On Fridays, losing money with Andrew Baskin helps satisfy your 20-minute sports gambling fix. Keep your hands inside the car at all times. Enjoy the ride. Get into it. Coming up... A Sad Styles production. Hello and welcome. My name is Mike Aaronworth, signing on to the Sign Off, the Frameworth podcast for yet another week. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of fantastic guests on on this show in the past. Uh, people of a very high note. We've had a lot of funny episodes. Gus Badali had a two-episode run, uh, which was now legendary in the Sign Off podcast. We had a lot of positive responses, so thanks to everyone who listened. Uh, this week, I am joined, as I have been in the past, by the one and only Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth. Uh, and it's just the two of us. And the reason why we wanted to uh, get this episode going was to talk about someone in your life who was uh, uh, an influencer, a friend, a little bit of a mentor in spite of the fact that you guys were similar ages, uh, but someone who who was almost a, a, a gatekeeper or a guide to a whole realm of business that you had uh, previously not been uh, subject to until you had met him. The reason why you started think- thinking about this person is because uh, his son is going to be getting married shortly. Uh, he unfortunately passed away several years ago, and we uh, not his son. No, (laughs) fine. Yes. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, I'll allow it this time, but next time you better watch your mouth. Um, No, Mike, listen, if if it seems like we're taking uh, these circumstances light in spite of the fact that I I just brought up that that unfortunately he had passed away. He was one of the funniest human beings, a very uh, great sense of humor would likely be laughing along with us uh, at little mishaps like that, uh, and as well as maybe trying to trip us up so that he could have some uh, fun at our expense as well. Uh, a For genuinely sure. fantastic human being. I've spoken a lot about him already. He's come up on this podcast before. Uh, why don't you do the honors, uh, Dad, of, of introducing the, the, the person about whom we're going to be talking uh, and exploring the influence of for the rest of this episode? Well, as I mentioned, the, the reason that I thought of this topic was because um, we got an invite to his son's Bobby, uh, Bobby Brown's wedding with Janelle. We'll be heading down to St. Louis for that. But um, it, it brought back so many great memories of Mike Brown. I might get emotional through this thing because Mike was such a good friend. And when you talk about a good friend, he was one of my best friends, but I hardly, you know, hardly saw him. Saw him maybe two or three times a year through through the times that I dealt with him. Well, his his home base was in Phoenix, I believe, right? Yes, Phoenix, and and you obviously being in Toronto don't don't have a ton of opportunities no. to get down to see him. Well, I always like to. I, yeah, nice having a friend that lived in Phoenix, especially during the winter time when you know you could write a business trip fair. Off yeah, that there. makes sense. Yeah. So Mike Brown was introduced to me by Brad Jansen, former guest on the show, two time guest, twice. Yes. Um, Back in the days where Wayne Gretzky was working with Upper Deck and then um, decided that he should handle his own memorabilia. Right. So he set up a company called WGA, Wayne Gretzky Authentic, and uh, set up Mike Brown, who happened to be his brother-in-law, to run the company. Right. And it's important to say, we've also brought this up on on the podcast before, WG Authentic is, uh, WGA is is a uh, almost... People look for signed WGA products as 
almost like a a further form of authentication for Wayne Gretzky's products because they existed only at a set amount of time, a unique line of items. They were doing a lot of experimentation with things like canvases back when the industry wasn't really doing that. So if you have, for example, a signed Wayne Gretzky jersey, this is not to disparage Upper Deck at all, very very high quality products, but a lot of people will actually look for that WG certificate of authenticity because there was only so many amounts of time that you could get it. And it's, in fact, they're not making them anymore. Yeah, it was a limited window. I'm trying to think the time frame that that would have been maybe 96 through 2006 or seven. Sure. Um, what had happened was um, Mike was put in charge of this company. They established a memorabilia company so Wayne could control his product line, et cetera. Not that Upper Deck didn't. So the original Upper Deck products were out there. Right. Um, while Wayne was still playing. Um, but, um, Mike took it to another level. Uh, some of the best images of Wayne were done in a limited edition format so that they can't really do them again. Sure. So some of those items that were iconic images were u- used in those days. And so they can't do the same thing because they made a limited edition and small editions of 99. Right. So when I heard through Brad Jansen that uh, Wayne was setting up his own company, I said, you know, one of the mistakes that I thought that they were making was selling, you know, products um, with when they were with Upper Deck, selling products, just photos and pucks and things like that right. and jerseys by themselves. And I said, you know, you can't control the look and the feel of the products if you're just selling them. Because if somebody buys an 8x10, puts it in a cheap frame, resells it, it, it isn't commensurate with a, a superstar. Sure like Wayne. So my theory was they should have a, a standard look and feel and everything has to be designed specific to the piece. And for the price, you, you're going to add the framing, which was where we were, you know, kind of making our revenue. Right. And so I made, I wanted to make that pitch. Well, Brad made the pitch with me or, or said, I can make the introduction. And, uh, he was good friends as, as those of you have heard the previous, uh, uh podcast, he was good friends with uh, Wayne, and so um, thereby good friends with Mike, his right. brother-in-law. Right. Now, Mike, his brother-in-law, was married to Jeanette, who is Janet Gretzky's sister. Right. So that's right. how that kind of all shapes right. up in terms of, of uh, the who knows who and, and how he got involved uh, from the outset there. Right. Yeah. So now Brad takes me down. He says, uh, I'll make the introduction. You fly me to L.A., Typical and, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it, but I got to be yeah, involved. I got to be involved. And you have to pay for it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Brad. Uh, his favorite expression is, I'm like crime. I don't pay. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think uh, he said it four times on our episode. Yeah. Too, so, yeah. That, and he's still saying it. <laughs> so, so Brad and I fly down and we have a meeting with Mike Brown and his small new offices and, um, and we just hit it off, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, it was, it was a great day for me. Albeit, um, I think there was a golf game planned that Brad had intentions on, you know, making sure that we got out for a golf sure. game as well as part of that, that deal. And so uh, we did the, a quick uh, uh, meeting and then off we went to play golf. For, before you get to that, first impressions of this 
person who you have no idea is going to become a huge part of your life. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've, you've heard, you had heard the name before meeting him, but you didn't have much of a sense of what his involvement was. So I'm sure you're thinking you're going to walk into the office and see someone who's uh, like intimidating or, you know, someone that's uh, going to be testing you to make sure that you can hang with the big boys, that sort of thing. You know, you're this guy coming in from Toronto. Uh, tell me what it was like then, uh, if, if not that, to meet Mike Brown, what what was he ended at? What what? what well, was he I like? had no idea what Mike would be like, and I was kind of nervous. Uh, but he, I mean, he was such a mellow, easygoing guy uh, that you immediately kind of relaxed and just talked business. Now he was pretty astute, so he's he's asking the right questions and why do you think it would go better? But he liked uh, he liked the strategy. And um, bought into it right away. Sure, he felt that you know Wayne's product should be um, marketed in a way that kept the consistency and the quality there, and so it was right. It was right in line with the way he was thinking. Did you did you feel like you uh, immediately sort of passed the test, or was there a test? Was it immediately? No, no he Mike. I I got to tell you, it immediately felt relaxed when it, he's yeah. such a laid back guy. Yeah, smart businessman and the one thing that um i did notice about him was he was as as any of the gretzky relatives or anybody in that uh circle is very protective of wayne's brand so he didn't want to make any uh promises or or go down any path that wasn't consistent with with what he felt and what wayne felt his brand should be sure and that's why our product you know looked really good to him yeah now, it's interesting. I, I, I keep thinking about this kind of uh, uh, first step of a journey that you were about to go on that really did shape the rest of your life and your career. I mean, you know, I, I feel like you would have still had your relations with some local players and some other players in the NHL, but that is different. The forward-looking element of sports memorabilia and getting involved in the league's new players and, and the current teams and that is one thing, but it almost feels like you mentioned the idea of a circle. You know, Mike Brown being in the circle and everyone in that circle protecting Wayne and his image. Um, it's hard to broach that if you weren't there from the beginning, right? So was there was there an added sense of of nerves or or uh, uh, not desperation, but like a, a, an understanding that this was a big step in in your career when you were going to meet him? No, you know what? Funny, um, my wife, your mother, always used to say that. Leave my she, mom out of this. No. Yes, <laughs> She used to say, uh, you know, I can't believe you go into the meetings that you do and you're that relaxed and that you're pitching these type of people. No, going into meetings, I was always fairly confident in what I was going in with. And so I was anxious. I mean, it was I knew how big right. a deal this could be and hoping I could convince them. So, but, you know, almost right up from the offset with Mike, you know, he agreed with what we were saying. And then... Mike had, and we've joked about this before, but when it came to business, Mike just wanted to get the business done and then relax. And so he had a golf game in mind. He loved his golf. Brad loved his golf. I love my golf. So off we go to play golf. And then the next day I was going to stick around and, and, you know, kind of hammer out details. But I think Brad went home that night and sent him home. And so the next day we met, you know, a little bit later and, um, and about, three or three thirty, um, we, Mike says, okay, we, we've had enough of this. He says, uh, there's a nice little, uh, uh, place along cause he was out in 
didn't wasn't there something about this meeting too where you know you're talking a little bit of business and all of a sudden he brings a putter out and oh yeah <laughs> I oh mean, yeah this this is the kind of thing like honestly I love hearing stories about this meeting because I've always had the mentality that a business meeting does not need to be all the pomp and circumstance that it normally is. There's this weird song and dance. Every time you get a call from a sales rep, the first five minutes are, hey, it's X day of the week, excited for the weekend, or oof, the week is just starting. How's the family? How's this? I'm like, no, 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 none of that. Get it out of the way, and then let's go do something socially and see if we mesh that way. Well, that was, yeah, that was it. Micah had a, always had a putter and a little putting thing in his office. Yeah. He had a big, I think Brad mentioned it last time, a big uh, chair that was looked like a baseball mitt mm-hmm. that was given to Wayne. And it wasn't a big office. It was just a small little thing in an industrial place with some storage stuff. That's when they first set up. Right. Um, but after a couple hours of trying to hammer out details and I wanted to, like, I, I want to get this down and pricing and all that and what it's going to look like, the mic just says, uh, you know what, there's a, a great place along Canyon Road called the martini bar okay <laughs> literally called the martini bar yeah, yeah. said uh, it's where martinis were invented yes no one knows this. it's about four o'clock in the afternoon martinis invented so in phoenix off we go and uh we sat there and just shot the shit and really hit it off yeah telling stories you know no more business it was just what do you do how, how did you do this what have you done in the past and all that stuff and then well, i guess it's about an hour later <laughs> And uh, Mike gets a call from his wife, Jeanette. Yeah. As mentioned, Janet's sister. And so, um, you know, a lot of personal stuff actually started coming out during that conversation. Um, and so Jeanette had had uh, been through some trying periods with uh, with cancer and, and she had recovered. <laughs> recovered. And then he, he said, come on. And he used to call her knucklehead. Come on, you knucklehead. Come on down here. And not, not all the time, but no, 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 when no, she no. got on him and, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was his affectionate name for her. And said, why don't you join us? Sure. So she comes down to join us and we've been there for two hours and now we're into hors d'oeuvres and stuff and, and maybe a little bite to eat cause we're getting hungry. And we just hit it off. All three of us hit it off and you could tell there was going to be a friendship forming from that point yeah. on. And this was only, I don't know, two days into our business relationship. Yeah, you know what's what's funny is is I uh, there there is an episode that we'll do eventually on this podcast, which is about uh, Frameworth's involvement with Tim Horton's uh, mini hockey sticks, the collectibles, mm-hmm. and the hoops we had to jump through uh, in the midst of COVID to see that job through to the end. And when it was starting out, I flew to China for two days basically to meet with the factories and make sure that we right. were all on, on the same page. And their meetings in in China here, just, just outside of Shanghai, were so similar to what you're describing. It was like, let's get the business out of the way. You've seen the facilities. You know we can do it. Let's go out for dinner. We'll have some some drinks. We'll, we'll, we'll have some food and make sure that not only do you know we can handle the business side, but we need to make sure if we're going to get into a relationship that we get along well. It's like speed dating almost. It's right. nice. Nice way right. to do it. right. Well, I think the thing with Mike was when we started eventually designing the line, the good news was, you know, if you can make your client look good to his boss, yeah, then that's that's where you need to be. Of course. The products that we created that eventually Mike started showing Wayne, he loved. Yeah. And he said, This is this is great. 
We created a whole product line. What were some of your favorite products that you developed with with Mike? Didn't have to be, you know, pitched at that meeting, but but in general with WG Authentic, I know he had a lot of input as well and, and influenced the product line. But what were some of your your absolute favorites that you guys would have come up with? Well, Mike Mike would dig hard for classic photos. Yeah, you know, um, you know, there's there's some some great images of Wayne uh, from. Uh, let's say in the office was one of them where yep. there was an overhead shot of Wayne behind the net, which was like they used to call that. That was Wayne's, that was Wayne's office, office, right? Because right. he'd, he'd be behind the opposing team's net with the puck and they couldn't get it off him. Yeah. And if they went one way, he'd go the other way and score a goal. Right. So that was one of them. You know, over time, he started using inscriptions, but Mike always liked to do a limited edition of 99. Yeah. And it, and it, Drove me crazy because we could have sold three times right, that. But in right. retrospect, it was so smart. And if you see Upper Deck and even Frameworth now, with a, we're starting to limit small numbers. So it makes it more valuable to the collector. Yeah. Harder to get. Sells out early. And then the collectors have to go to the secondary market and find it. So everybody, things appreciate and value quicker. Right. Mike came up with that at the beginning. I thought it was a bad strategy, mm-hmm. but in retrospect, it was a great strategy. Now, you mentioned, I don't know, maybe maybe you do or, or don't have specific items in mind, but uh, you mentioned Mike doing some digging for iconic shots. And right. that is something that I think was really game-changing in the market. You know, it used to very much be here's an eight by 10 photo that I have of a player that I got at a card show, whatever. It's just a a generic action shot. And this is what I'm going to get. Therefore, that's what I'm going to get framed. But it seemed like you and him together almost had this sense that a product could be more of a piece of art as opposed to just an image. And this, this goes back to the earlier stories we told of you with your dad, my grandpa, uh, creating an artist's rendering of say Daryl Sittler and knowing that this was a sports piece that was also a work of art. Um, but at the time, the resources to find these images, these artistic, quote-unquote, artistic images in, in hockey must have been more difficult than they are now. I mean, did you you didn't have the resources of going online and searching Getty Images. The Hall of Fame certainly didn't have their uh, uh, photos archive, available yeah. through, an, through a, a, an FTP archive. Where, where, do you well, know was where a, he was going? You know, you could, go through, uh, you could go through the team. They had a lot of photos. You could go right. get, he did have some, but it wasn't like you just go online and exactly. just search a thousand photos. Um, Mike kind of knew where the access was. Sometimes you had to buy the rights from a specific photographer. Right. Um, another great shot that we found was um, Gordy Howe. It's called The Hook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was when Wayne was playing in junior and he met Gordy Howe, his hero, for the first time. Sure. And Gordy was character I knew him pretty well as well and and Gordy took one of the sticks and he kind of put it around Wayne's neck who was sitting in a jacket and tie and uh and that piece sold out almost immediately right it was a young Wayne Gretzky right like right. a very young Wayne Gretzky yeah, yeah I mean I think it was peewee yeah 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 something like that and what was really cool was Mike found a, an image when Wayne was I think ready or in the NHL just at the beginning of his career uh, with Gordy doing the same thing yeah. in the same pose. Yeah. That was funny because when my dad was in the office, Gordy came by one time and we sat my dad in the chair. I, I think this. you did too. I, I, no, I wasn't. I was watching it. And, uh, yeah, and he posed the same way. So yeah. my dad had that same shot with Gordy. But Gordy was such a gentleman that way. He was always accommodating. So those were the types of images that Mike went through and and we both kind of researched and 
we'd frame it up and he'd tell me he didn't like this frame. He liked that yeah. frame. And, and every piece was designed specifically for that piece. I think that's integral because you have a name like Wayne Gretzky. No matter what, his products are selling. You can put out anything. The products are going to sell. And I think what probably worked so well between the two of you and and probably would have kept Wayne happy and maybe was the initial reason he left Upper Deck, not knowing what he was going through um, prior to leaving, but uh, was the idea of, of new products being developed, not only being the best, but also having the most forward-thinking products in his arsenal. Uh, to have a team like you and Mike working on that for him probably... Well, yeah, you know what? Here, here's something that comes to mind. Um, Upper Deck at the time was the company. I mean, right. they had the card business. They had, you know, some of the biggest stars in the game. Were they as into memorabilia at that point? Uh, no, I think, to be honest with you, and not trying to sound egotistical, Frameworth changed the way that the wall decor looked. Not right, right. jerseys. Like right. Upper Deck was into jerseys and cards and maybe some signed photos and pucks. But Frameworth, I don't even know that they had a, a, a picture frame division then. And neither did Steiner or yeah, any yeah. of those people. So we didn't start as a memorabilia company. We started as a picture frame and art company. Yeah. So we took our, our knowledge and started creating stuff that looked really nice. Frameworth was, and and Steiner, Upper Deck, all those companies were on two very different paths. And right. then all of a sudden, Upper Deck looked up and our path put us ahead of them. And they had to, and just in, at least in terms of that element in, in of In terms of the memorabilia, yeah. credit them, they, they caught up pretty right. quickly. Right. But I remember going to see Steiner back in the early 90s and we were purchasing product from them member uh autograph stuff and they had a room that they did their framing which was just a cheap black frame right um they ended up uh the room was not much bigger than the room we're in right now right uh and that was for the whole framing we had twenty thousand square foot factory yeah that was de to solely devoted to that so Frameworth, if I'm proud of one thing, is that we kind of changed the way the memorabilia thing was looked at. And and Wayne, because of that, Wayne was at the forefront. So when Upper Deck was doing their stuff, it was very limited in quality. So when Wayne saw what we did, it was kind of ahead of the curve. Right. Now, now take us back then to the to the uh, the dinner that you're having with with uh, Mike and Jeanette, um, your or, or the the dinner and drinks. What what what? Well, we never got to a table. We just sat at the okay, bar. Okay, fair. So so uh, <laughs> this is a business meeting turned uh, university style night out. Let's yeah. keep it going all yeah. night long. Uh, how does that trip end? How does that night end? That uh, night ends with me taking a cab back to the hotel and waking up with a very sore head the next day. <laughs> And, and that's that just was, because of all the ideas you were throwing yes, back and I was forth, just, of course. Yeah, really stressed out. We had, so every time I went to L.A., which was great, you know, they were based out of L.A. at the time, and um, we would we would do a little business, talk. There was really not a big reason for me to go anytime, sure. but I'd want to make sure I went there. Yeah. And um, we would go, and um, I think Wayne, Wayne had a home on... Uh, in Thousand Oaks and Sherwood sure, Country Club. Yeah. And all those things, like Mike treated you like a friend. So if he was going over to Wayne's house, eventually, not eventually, but pretty soon after, you were trusted. So if he was going over to drop something off to Wayne's house, I'd be invited. Yeah. And the things that happened because of my friendship with Mike over and above the memorabilia. I mean, one day we dropped something off just after the Masters. Um, and Wayne says, come on in. 
uh, for a drink and sit down and shoot the shit. So we went in and the family's there and I'm sitting and I'm pinching myself. I'm sitting in Wayne Gretzky's home yeah. on Sherwood Country Club, which he invited us to play. And all of a sudden the doorbell rings and somebody answers it and in walks Mark O'Mara. So those that you don't know had just won the Masters. Oh. <laughs> and he was on the course that day, you know, practicing for a tournament that was coming up, some side tournament. And, hey, Wayne, how's it going? And he sits down and starts talking about how he won the Masters and what happened when he was on 18 and he sunk oh, the wow. putt. And, and, and then he's talking about, well, we got to get there and, and play sometime, Wayne. And I'm sitting there drooling. Get said, there is into oh, Augusta. Invite me. Invite yeah. <laughs> me. That was my dream course. So Mark O'Mara sits there. Um, and, there's, and then, you know, then Wayne said, well, let's go play golf tomorrow. And I'd be playing golf. And it was all because um, of the business relationship, but more importantly, the friendship. Because on a business, straight business relationship, you do your business. And you go home. Yeah. Mike would never allow me to do that. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We had, we, we would play golf. We'd go over with Wayne. We'd talk to him. Um, we would go as a family. We, we'd meet the kids. Um, I, I mean, I've been, we've been on family vacations with, with well, them. Well, uh, so that, that's another, there's a great story. You'll remember <laughs> uh, the Florida cruise. So after a while, I said to Mike, look, um, we've got to go on a cruise together with both families. Right. So it was um, uh, Bobby and to, Alex. To discuss business. Yes, of course. To, to discuss new frame ideas. So yeah. this was based out of uh, what we used, my wife and I like to go on cruises. So we kept talking about it. Mike says, I'd like to try one of those. So we decided to go on a cruise with the two families. And it was uh, Mike and Jeanette and Alex and his daughter, Alex and Bobby. Yeah. And they were kids. And and you guys, the three of our kids, Chris, Mikey, and was it Nicole on that trip? I don't. Think I so. thought you were asking what our sister's name was. No, <laughs> Chris, Mikey, and who was it? Coley. What was her <laughs> name? <laughs> anyway, so we go on this cruise ship, but it was what was it? The the pandemic at the time. Oh, was uh, it was Norwalk or, or something? SARS? No, no, not Norwalk. SARS, not SARS. Norwalk. Norwalk. Yeah. So they were saying on the cruise ship, not like today with COVID. They were saying, okay, if you have any sniffles and stuff like that. Um, you know, you got to let us know. Right. Well, we get to Florida because they were flying in from LA and we were flying in from Toronto. So we booked a hotel or motel and didn't have a lot of money back then. So <laughs> it was a motel. And we all stayed there in, in Miami somewhere. And the next morning, Bobby gets pretty sick. Outrageously sick. Like he's like got coughing and he sniffles and the whole thing. And we said, well, he'll be okay. He's just got a cold. But if we told the cruise ship that he had a cold, we wouldn't be like, don't do this today. Yeah, okay? yeah, we do not advise this. <laughs> so we get to the get to the thing and he's coughing and sniffling and, and we're checking in and they're looking at him. And said, oh, he was, oh, he got, oh, he literally got out of the car and threw up. Right. Right. So we get to the front and said, if anything happened, just say he got car sick. Right. And he. And so that's what we told her. Oh, he's just car sick. He, he, he has to drive over here. The benefit of hindsight of knowing, knowing how bad that actually oh, is. Oh, it nowadays. could have been. Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't have Norwalk. No, no. But, but he did have a cold and we got on the cruise ship and we had the time of our, well, time of our life. It was not the greatest cruise ship, but in those days it was the best we can do. And we had, 
it was just fun that we had with the family. But I think that was a New Year's celebration. And I think we that wasn't the first time that you had spent New Year's. Because, and the reason why I want to get into this is to talk about how, uh, you know, you have sports memorabilia and sports marketing as this large entity. You know, thinking that it is kind of just a sterile environment where people take a, a piece of, uh, of uh, like a signed photo and frame it and put it on a wall. But there are so many characters involved, as many characters in this industry as there are on the ice in, in a hockey game, right? And, and the important element of this is that what wasn't as important in terms of your overall relationship was you guys bringing ideas together. That was, that was happening naturally. Right. Because you guys enjoyed your company so much. And then it just so happened that, that the Whenever we got well. together, we'd play golf, we'd have drinks, and we'd, and we'd brainstorm. Yeah. And, yeah, it, yeah, and yeah. it could be in any environment. It didn't have to, it was very rarely in his office. Right. So, so, you know, we were talking about different jobs that came about. One was uh, the biggest job I think one of the big, at the time, it was definitely the biggest job that we ever did. Wayne had a relationship with Ford. Okay. And Mike said, we got to come up with something that they can give away. And I said, well, how many units? And I think he said, uh, it was in the thousands. Right. What's it for? Well, every time they want to give something away to anybody that test drives a Ford and utilize Wayne Gretzky. So we came up with this little framed piece with that actually couldn't have Wayne in uniform because that would have been a violation of the NHL. So right. it was just in practice uniform, talking over the boards to his dad. That's that's typical. If, if we can just pause there for a second, of if you you may not have noticed this, but you will now that we, now that you hear it from us. Anytime you see a celebrity endorsing a product that isn't specifically also licensed or endorsed by the NHL or the NHLPA, look at the jersey that they wear. It'll never have the logo on it. It's very often just similar colors to give you the sense of like oh this was his oilers uniform or a headshot yes exactly exactly so that was a million dollar job for a company that was doing probably four million five million in sales at the time so it's literally 15 20 percent of our overall business right and that's what mike and i developed mike in particular he came with the opportunity we came with the product and literally ford bought thousands of these things. The other big one was Wayne's uh, relationship with Budweiser over the years, because in the States, he could have that beer kind of contact. Back in those days, you couldn't have a current player associated with uh, an alcohol. alcohol. I think it may be the same thing now. I, th- um, I think I think nowadays it's the same, because I remember Georges Laroc at one point, like 10 years ago, had a commercial with an alcoholic beverage and got in a lot of trouble. Alcohol's for one thing. Beer now, you'll notice that the the and there's another thing that we helped Labatt develop was um, with images of the players on the can. So that's oh, changed. Right, 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 right. And I think it changed with the wineries and Mike Weir okay. and all that. So, but anyway, Budweiser uh, wanted something to give away to their bars and restaurants. And if you recall, Wayne did a commercial for Budweiser where they shrunk him down to the size of a bubble hockey game. <laughs> I do. I actually right? remember this. Yeah. And so Wayne was on the ice with bubble hockey players. Yeah. And they all had little French-Canadian accents, yeah. and then they were talking to him, and who's that guy, and he's the great one, and da-da-da. But they were bubble hockey guys, except for Wayne. That's awesome. Who looked like a bubble hockey player, but it was him. And it was a classic commercial. Yeah. So they wanted something. Uh, they didn't ask for something. Mike and I developed a product where we got, I said, Mike, get me a couple of bubble hockey players. So he found them. And then we embedded them in a deep frame with Wayne's picture in the background. He autographed it. So Wayne's picture from the commercial. Yeah. 
of him playing hockey with the bubble hockey guys. And then we put the actual images of the hockey players or the actual the, hockey players, the actual little plastic, the little plastic yeah, figures yeah. inside the frame with little handles. So you can actually That's move them. Amazing. That's so amazing. you got an autographed Wayne Gretzky photo and the bubble hockey. If you've got one of those today, I do. I kept one. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe Bobby does too. I don't know. I hope he does. Um, Bobby, Mike's son. Yes. And, uh, and those pieces will go for big bucks now because they're very rare. I mean, they were in bars and restaurants, and I'm sure half of them got stolen because yeah. they were pulled off the wall because yep. they were so popular. That was a huge job. Budweiser didn't ask for it. But if you build the right thing and you present it uh -huh. and you're willing to spend the money on it, they don't all go. But that one went, and that was another massive job. And that was Mike and I kind of playing around with some ideas Probably I, I over a few martinis. I was going to say, I love the idea that you guys are sitting at a bar together and you're just like half in the bag. You know, it'd be great is if you could reach into the frame and actually wiggle around the little bubble hoppy guys. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, like that just coming out of nowhere. Well, you know what? It, actually, I, I should say this. Mike was more of a beer drinker. Okay. Material. So Not the martinis. We'd always go, well, no, we do the martini thing, but Budweiser was always in his fridge. And then he introduced me to Mick Ultra because right. that was the low carb thing since we drank so much. Yeah, fair. Of the beer. So <laughs> we, we didn't want to gain the weight. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's that's fantastic. And and that's a, a great example. You know, I was talking about some of the uh, product ideas that that would have come up, you know, during your time brainstorming with with Mike. Do you have time to tell a quick story? One of my favorite pieces of all time would have been the uh, the the Pond of Dreams Oh. piece was that was that an element of wg was was, was yeah, was yeah. With so that? again um we were at the 2000 all-star game in toronto right and this this was a commercial that many of you of our age or even younger might remember but i was at the game and uh, mike came to town and we're looking at the big screen in the center of the you know the scoreboard and uh they ran this commercial where Mike, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, Wayne, Mario Lemieux, and Bob and uh, Gordy Howe, and Gordy Howe. Yeah, yeah, Bobby was supposed to be there. I think we've talked about this before. We're walking through the the woods, way up north, talking about the game and yeah. who you know how they play it yep. and all that stuff. And as they come to the pond, uh, out through the woods, out on the ice, they see people playing off in the distance, and. Uh, and it turns out that it's Mario Lemieux, uh, Paul Correa, uh, uh, Jeremy Jagger, and, yeah. and can't remember the fourth, and, and Eric Lindros. Right, 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 right. So they were playing shinny out, out in the pond. And so they skate over, and they look at the three guys, the, the elder statesmen, and they go, hey, you want to join us? And they turn back, and they said, no, guys, it's your game now. Oh, that's nice. Right? Yeah. The way it was done almost brought tears to your eyes. Mike's sitting there looking at me, and I'm looking at him. I <laughs> think we can get a still shot of those three guys walking through the woods, even in their in their winter coats. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we started doing the homework, found the piece, brought it, and Mario, Gordy, and Wayne signed it. It sold out in, like, no time That's at all. That's amazing. I love that. And it's a gorgeous piece, too. And, and so we did the regular edition of 99 and then we it was so popular we did a canvas edition as well right and the funny thing was another story so mike invites me out to play in a wayne gretzky and friends golf tournament out in 
Calgary, I think it was. Aginla was there, Mike Weir, I think. There was a bunch of celebrities there, and it was a pro-am tournament. And I ended up playing with, and I didn't know who he was, but my wife was a big fan of, of and I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a, one of the stars, and I think still is. He plays Nicholas on The Young and the Restless. Oh, okay, yeah. So we kind of hit it off, and he was talking about that piece, and he just, I missed that. I wanted that so badly. And I said, well, geez, I'll send one to him. Uh. So I sent one to him because <laughs> I had a few tucked away. Um, but there's another thing that I got invited. And tell you how things, again, fortuitous, and I think I've told the story. As I'm flying out there, I'm sitting next to the president of MasterCard who was going out to the same tournament. And from there, we developed a lot of business with MasterCard because we found out that we're both friends of Wayne and um, he was a sponsor. And I said, let me develop some products for you. So all of that, you put yourself in the place, all because Mike Brown and I, Mike Brown in particular, he just saw it. We both looked at each other and said, that's a piece that will sell. Yeah. And we did the Pond of Dreams. I love, I love the idea of, you know, selfishly doing this podcast to shine a light on the people who have had so much more of an influence than anyone realizes unless they're like really inside the weeds uh, with, with sports marketing. I mean, even the past couple episodes, we had Gus Badali on and you called me out for saying, you know, it, it, he isn't only associated with Wayne Gretzky's name. He is a name in and of himself, which is absolutely true. However, I'm, I would love if we continue to talk about these people in a way that brings them up in popular consciousness, because otherwise I think it's easy to sort of let these names filter to the sidelines in, in, uh, but, but, you know, we keep talking about the Bobby Orr's, the Wayne Gretzky's, the Gordie Howe's. And I think similarly, we should talk about these people who have had such an influence well, behind on the scenes. Lives. They're there. And, uh, and sure. Mike was a visionary, albeit nobody would have thought of him that way at the time because he was just so laid back and mellow, right. easy going. There wasn't anybody that I know didn't like Mike. Yeah. I mean, you talk to anybody now um, from people that have met him through the years, from the from the Gretzky camp to uh, to anybody. Yeah. And they all love Mike and Jeanette. Yeah. And so we haven't talked enough about Jeanette, but but the two of them um, were were such a team together. And, you know, the things that happened, and I, keep, I can mention one after another after another. One day I get a call from Mike. This is how great he was to me. He says, Brian, he says, I don't know if you can make it down here, but he says, I've just arranged to do a signing with Muhammad Ali. Oof. I said, when? Yeah. He said, I'll be on the first flight. And he called me. I mean, you can't have a million people around for the signing. No. Do you want to help me with the signing? Yeah, sure, Mike. So I fly down. Now he's based out of Phoenix, and I fly down, and I literally sat side-by-side side with Muhammad Ali helping do the signing. And it was just Mike and myself, Muhammad Ali's handler, Muhammad Ali. Now, by this time, he 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 was not. He was only a, a piece of him, sure, his original sure. self, but he was still able to sign his name, and he you know had the whatever it was couldn't speak mm-hmm. very well he's kind of but anyway i met muhammad ali thanks to mike and mike always looking out for other people in the industry just a, a great person to have around at all times now uh i've got a question though your impression i want to get your impression on uh you know obviously you've worked in this industry a long time if you mention the name wayne gretzky and that you know that that you know wayne people they gush over that, right? Oh my God, what did you say to him? This and that. You've gotten to a level of comfort with Wayne that it's no longer, uh, you know, 
I mean, it's always... You never get over you it. You never but, get yeah. over it, but it's not like you're, you know, fumbling over your words or anything like that. No. But, you know, you, you talk about a guy who it seems like he's even more firmly entrenched in that sort of lifestyle in, in Mike Brown. When he's calling you about Muhammad Ali... Or when he's sitting in in Wayne's place, when uh, when uh, the 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 guy who had just won the, the Masters, Mark O'Mara. Mark O'Mara, comes in to to tell stories, is he getting the same thing out of it, or is he just so laid back and comfortable that it's almost like these are just other people? He in never his showed life? it. Yeah, he never showed it. I mean, I, I, think, I shouldn't say that. You know what? So another situation. Yeah, Mike got sick with cancer. Right. Um. So it was pretty tragic because. Um, Mike had dealt with his wife going through all of that. Then Mike ended up uh, getting cancer. Um, and just towards the end of his life, he was the 2010 Olympics. Right. And so Mike didn't have a place to stay at the time or he hadn't booked anything. He wasn't really planning to go there. And I know Wayne went up there, but uh, and it, um, I, I invited Mike. I had rented a condo there. To, you went out and I brought... Mm-hmm the family out and some of our, you know, everybody took turns coming yeah. out. I yeah. stayed the whole time. Of course. But Mike and wanted to bring Bobby up, his yeah. son. And so they both came and stayed with us for a night or two until Wayne realized that they were up there and then invited, you know, said, come on, sure. stay with us. He had a little more room in his place than we had <laughs> in ours. But, um, but we say, did Mike ever get, um, get excited about things he didn't show it a lot but the one guy that i remember him kind of bubbling over and showing me pictures one of the big stars back in the day he was a big hockey fan chicago he oh vince vaughn vince vaughn okay 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 he went out to dinner with wayne yeah and vince vaughn was there yeah and he had a picture with with vince vaughn and he was so excited about that because he loved vince vaughn yeah right so to get a picture with him and so we had a great time together and of course canada won gold and and to top it all off, Sidney Crosby got the gold medal goal. Right. And so that was huge in the partying in the streets. Um, but that was another great moment. And it's, it's, it was important nice... for him to go and, and take his son, Bobby, to experience that. Well, he, I believe he passed away in July of 2010. Does that sound about right? I think it might have been I think, shortly I think so. That. But but it's, it is nice to hear that he, he still felt like an excitement about celebrity. You know, I feel like a lot of us feel shame for that in some way, you know, especially if you're in the industry. The thing is like you want to show the least amount of excitement, especially when the people are involved. But like, God, you can't, it's a natural feeling to to have it bubble over every so You know, often. I was just listening to a, an interview with Kirsten Wig, and who, she was talking about meeting people for the first yeah, time. Yeah. And she was, she's just like us. She's just as excited, you know? Yeah. Um, and so- you never get over it. It's the way you handle it. And if you handle it right, it doesn't, you know, you get the right response from the celebrity. Yeah. If you handle it wrong and you gush over them and you ask them to do things that they, they're not comfortable doing. Hey, can you phone my son and tell yeah, him, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, they hate when you do yeah. that. Or most guys do. Yeah. You know, hey, can you get on the phone and, and wish somebody a happy birthday? Right. Yeah. Leave me a voicemail message. I've heard a lot of people say that uh, the voicemail message thing is not uh, right. not a fun one for them to no. do. You mentioned Bobby, though. Bobby, his son, uh, going out there. And, and Bobby had a pretty significant involvement with uh, Wayne Gretzky's family, especially uh, in the Wayne Gretzky school. Uh, the school that was that was taking place, and and he did a lot of the uh, merchandising, advertising. I think he traveled around. Well, uh, the, okay. So the first time I met, so the one big thing that Mike had worked on was setting up Wayne Gretzky's fantasy camp, right? And so that started in Phoenix. Actually, I think when Wayne was just before Wayne coached, or when Wayne was coaching, and 
So it was supposed to be a one-year deal. Right. Big deal. And we talked about this before. Full Jim set Carl's of equipment. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and all that stuff. But Mike was the one that kind of put it all together. Mm-hmm. And it and he did and it was so much work, especially yeah. the first one. Once you you know you got to find equipment people that are going to donate equipment and and we donated the frames and that's so I got to play and we played in all the years. The interesting thing about Bobby is, and Bobby and and Wayne's son Ty. Yeah, they first came to the camp. They were kids. Yeah, and you know we came and we all wanted to win the Wayne Gretzky Trophy. Sure, right? sure. So they, they divide up the teams as evenly as they could and. Wayne was so good, he'd always invite a friend or two. It didn't matter whether a movie star that couldn't play hockey but wanted to right, be on right, the right. ice. or It didn't matter. And they were going to fit in. You didn't say anything, but you didn't really want them on your team. Sure. <laughs> Not that I'm the greatest hockey <laughs> player, fair. but you didn't. You wanted the best players on your team. Yeah. And now Wayne's throwing some. There was some guy that did a movie, I forget his name, and he's on the ice, and he can't skate. And now we got to put up with this guy, and he certainly shouldn't be on my line because yeah. the yeah, two yeah, of yeah, us yeah. together. And when Bobby and Ty first came out, it was just kind of a, a thing that Wayne did, and they couldn't, they weren't that good at the time. Sure, the first year or two, they were too young, I would assume, to yeah, really they compete. were just learning yeah. the game. And um, but towards the oh, end, oh yeah, I remember this. <laughs> everybody wanted Bobby and Ty on yeah, the team. Yeah, yeah, and, and I remember the last year that we won, Bobby, um, he took the puck from center. Oh, we had a shootout at the end to decide. Yeah. And now by this time, Bobby was now playing some junior hockey and playing at a very high yeah. level. And he did one of those toe drag upper shot. It was just amazing. <laughs> it's so good that my dad doesn't even know how to describe it. Probably. No, That's no. He, was, he goes in on the guy and I, I, I was just in awe watching the kid that we didn't want on the team saying, I want that kid on my yes, team. I, he could play hockey. I was always kind of on the sidelines. I would watch most of those uh, matches with uh, uh, with with Mike's daughter, Alex. Yes. Uh, Alex Brown, who had a very uh, significant involvement with the fantasy I camp. I always especially. thought you two should get together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, Alex, if you're listening. Um, um, the uh, uh, But we would watch it. She had a, a very significant involvement with the the camp, especially in the oh, later yeah. years. She The organization of it, the management of it. Uh, I always felt bad because I felt like I was freeloading when I was there. She was, you know, always busy. Well, you ended up having to do framing at one point. I did point. have yeah, to do framing. Yeah. A little bit of manual labor. Uh, the blisters on my hands. I've never recovered. It was tragic. <laughs> it was tragic. But so Alex would come out every year and, and help out as, as she got older. Bobby would play and also help out, move equipment around. I mean, they had trainers and all that to do most of that. But And then Ty, who became a very good hockey player yeah. uh, with with uh, Bobby. And then, so you, you started out by saying the hockey, the hockey camp. School, so then yeah. um, Gretzky Hockey School yeah. is, is something that Ty put together. I think... Bobby, I'm not sure if he's still involved, but was helping out in the early stages. Definitely was in the beginning, um, yeah. Coaching and teaching and and doing all that stuff. And right now, Ty's camp is um, is highly sought after. Yeah. And not because um, Wayne Gretzky's there, because oh well, he has he has showed up from time to time in various places, mostly by surprise. Sure. There's no guarantee Wayne's going to be there, but he he might be there. But it's not about Wayne being there. It's about the quality of the camp. Right. And it's a 
really good camp. It's hard to get into it. I understand you got to book it and, and he has different ones all over the place in Idaho and Edmonton and Toronto. Well, and look, I, I, I feel for Ty. I know what it's like to have a, a very successful father and to kind of live in their <laughs> shadow a little bit. And we do the best we can. You know, I've heard some people say this podcast is good in spite of the fact that the co-hosts are not in spite of with, with, with help of the co-host, but could have been good without as well. I don't know. You let me know in the iTunes reviews. But there's some there's some special moments. I mean, yeah. um, I remember uh, Mike inviting us down. So this was how close friends we were. His daughter Jenny was getting married to uh, Jeff Tafe, Jeff who Tafe. actually was in the NHL for a number of years and yep. then went over and played in Russia. And so we, the wedding was in Phoenix. It was a hundred degrees, and so we said, "Well, what are we going to do?" The wedding starts at four. It was an outdoor wedding. It was beautiful at beautiful resort there uh i can't think of the name but anyways so mike says well we're gonna just go to the pool until the wedding starts at four so we get there at noon and we have a you know there's a a cooler full of beer at three o'clock mike's wife jeanette comes walking over and says mike what are you doing he was beet red he's got to walk his daughter down the aisle and we've had about I don't know, 10, 12 beers during the afternoon. Yeah. And it could, you didn't even feel them because it was so hot. Right. And we never left the pool other than go to the bathroom. I'm not sure they, anybody ever went to the bathroom. <laughs> was All just, I know is the pool was two inches higher by the time exactly. you guys left. Yeah. So we, we ended up, uh, and but the wedding was beautiful. And I still remember um, they, they played uh, uh, the song... Uh, Somewhere over the rainbow right. by is yeah, yeah Hawaiian singer I, it's and I went and got that after so the memory from that leads me to um, the invitation that I was a little surprised to get because we don't stay in touch as much as we used to but Bobby invited us to his wedding in St Louis with mm-hmm. Jeanette uh, Janelle and uh, there's so many J's in that family <laughs> now. Um, and so we're thrilled to be going. Lori and I are thrilled to be going out there to be part of that wedding and uh, look forward to seeing Bobby and, and Alex and the whole family yeah. at that time. But that that was uh, that was quite a thrill. So That's the, pretty special. The, yeah. the one thing I want to make sure we talk about as well uh, is, is uh, uh, Mike's wife, Jeanette. Um, who, yes. who's always been a, a heavily involved in everything that he does. I mean, you mentioned night one from you guys hanging out. Uh, Jeanette made her way down there. I, did she? Was she also pitching in on these ideas? Was she getting involved in, in some yeah, of the business? Not so much the ideas, but you could tell she, like most women, are the the core of the family. Sure, you know they got to keep the house in order, not phys- not you know figuratively, but. They, they kind of keep everything in line. Sure, but sure. you could tell the love between the two of them was just incredible. And and her, I, I mean, I remember seeing Jeanette at the Wayne Gretzky fantasy camps just being the center of attention all the time. Oh. Whether she liked it or not, people, like, you're in a room full of celebrities, some of the best hockey players of all time, and people are going over to her table to talk to her, uh, <laughs> which is just, she, she could light up the room. Right. And so Mike started the camp. Um, Jeanette had... Um, recovered from her bout with cancer. And then as time went on, Mike um, uh, ended up with cancer. And then uh, he passed away. Uh, and then the camp went on. And she, and so Jeanette used to come out to the camp and we'd spend some time with her there. And, and then unfortunately, um, her cancer came back. Mm-hmm. 
And so that that was pretty devastating for everybody. Yeah. But the kids are strong, and they they kept it going. And there's a um, there's a whole uh, legacy that they left behind. Well, you talk about the legacy and and uh, just sort of the easygoing nature of Mike and how you mentioned earlier, and I think this is significant because I I don't want to gloss over this. A lot of people will say about someone they know there wasn't a single person in the world who didn't like this person. Um, but that's not always true, even though you say it. But with Mike, it was. And to to demonstrate that, as part of the, the Wayne Gretzky Fantasy Camp, they actually named an award after Mike uh, to commemorate him for just, you know, an overall good human being taking part in the camp who's either been there for a long time or or demonstrates, you know, a friendship and is just a, a crowd pleaser and, and a good overall person. That's who that award would go to at the end of each of the Wayne Gretzky You know what? Camps. There's an interesting story about that too because when I signed on to the camp and I was doing kind of a contra deal with Wayne for the framing, so I really wasn't eligible for any of the awards that he right. would hand out. Wayne used to hand out tons of stuff, autographed jerseys for the most improved player or the best sport or whatever it was. But when Mike passed away, they named the trophy after him, which was just the, just an important award because it was like the, forget exactly what the reason for it was, but it was like a guy that everybody yeah. um, who embodied, got along with, who embodied the spirit, yeah, the spirit of, the of Mike. Yeah. Okay. And so I'd sit and watch everybody get all these awards every year and, you know, you know, it was great to see my friends and all those guys that we developed friendships with who are still friends today. And then, but the one award that I would have treasured once Mike passed away, the one that I always wanted to get, yeah. more so than winning the trophy, was the, the winning trophy, was the Mike Brown Award. Yeah. And I knew that the 15th year was most likely going to be the last year. Right. And I didn't think Wayne really kind of paid attention to anything I did out there other than, you know, we're friends, but sure. it, it was more about the, get, the the campers that came in every year. The last year that we played, the I think it was the 15th year, uh, we ended up winning the trophy. And then... The tournament trophy. The tournament trophy. Yeah. And then they they were handing out the other awards, and the last one that they, they uh, called out was Mike Brown Award. And he gave it to me. Yeah. And I was just, I, I tried to speak, couldn't speak. It was just uh, so awesome. Yeah. And such a tribute to to Mike's um, legacy mm-hmm. that, and, and not to Mike's legacy, to my, our friendship that Wayne would have thought to give me that award. Right. Knowing how much um, that Mike meant to me. Yeah. So. That was that was pretty special. That was that was a, a great moment. I, I was there for that camp, and I remember um, everyone knowing how much that had meant to you. So it was a really special moment. I mean, the, that was one thing I I did love about those camps was, you know, I I, I hesitate to explain kind of what the camp is about uh, because there's always this undertone of it's a very expensive get together. There's only a, so many people who are able to take part right. um, because not everyone can afford to do so. Uh, so it's, it's tough to kind of pile on top of that, this sense of camaraderie and it was great and they were all great people and everything, but that truly was the case. 
Uh, it was it was a bunch of fantastic people getting together. Uh, the friendships that you grew just as a result of being there were incredibly strong. You're still in touch with a lot of them. I'm still in touch with a lot of people there. Uh, so it wasn't just about winning an award because, you know, Wayne Gretzky gave you an award. It was about this recognition from this community that you've become a part of over right. the last 15 years of the history of that camp. It was really special. Still very close. In fact, uh, I got a nice message, uh, messenger note from uh, Jason out in uh, out in. Australia, Australia. Yeah, Perth, I think. yeah, yeah, uh, saying how much he enjoyed the podcast, and uh, so shout out to you, Jason, again, and all your all our friends from Australia who who made the big trip to LA for those camps, yeah. and uh, and Fraser and 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 all the guys that were that were there. And matter of fact, you know, it was an expensive camp, but from time to time, Wayne would make a promise to somebody that, hey, we want you back next year and, and knew that the guy might not have been able to afford two years, maybe right. spent, and and gave out a free pass uh, to a number of guys that uh, over the years to, to get them back. Yeah. And especially if there was a good goalie that was a good guy, like uh, th- that he would say, hey, you know what? We need good goalies here. We keep, got, that's the the common denominator. You got to have good goaltending yep. for every team. You for can't sure. have a for really sure. weak goaltender. Um, other than Eddie Mio, who, was, <laughs> <laughs> who I once scored upon through fluke <laughs> deflection or something. I don't know, but anyways. All right. So we're, we're running a little low. So let's start to, uh, to taper off. Uh, I know you got your notes there. Well, what? I've got, I've got a couple of things that, that I wanted to, to, well, we talked about new year's Eve. The second one that we spent was in, in Phoenix where we left you kids. I was going to say, okay. So I growing up like here, this speaks to your friendship or maybe your, uh, uh, uh lack of, lack of parenting, parenting to me. Um, I, the first new year's Eve that I ever spent without my family, we went down to, was it in Phoenix? Was it that was where in we went? Phoenix. It was in Phoenix. Uh, nice. And uh, we went there as a family. I was there with my sister, Coley. I'll remind you of her name because you forgot yeah, it the yeah. first time you were bringing it up. Uh, and you decided to just leave us and go spend New Year's on your own. I was alone. Well, at a- wait a second. It was across <laughs> the street. You guys are old enough. And it was at Tommy Bahamas at a bar upstairs. Yeah, we Mike had, a, had booked it. a babysitter and it was the two of us on New Year's. It wasn't it wasn't exactly uh, uh, what we'd wanted. By the way, you mentioned Tommy Bahamas. You're, you're talking about cruising, drinking beers by a pool, and Tommy Bahamas. Like that is painting such a picture of what your life was like at that point. Mike got me into the Tommy Bahama wear, you know, like the baggy shirts yes. and, the, and the embroidered back. And yeah. we, I still, and I will never throw this out, it's got that New Year's, they, they had them at the at bar that yeah. night as gifts. And it's a Tommy Bahama shirt, probably never wear it again unless it's a costume party. <laughs> but it has the big New Year's uh, martini glass, champagne yeah. glass on the back. That's the amazing. Day. So... We left you guys at the hotel and you guys created havoc around the hotel. And then, but we did come back and sat by the fireplace later that evening yeah, and, yeah. and uh, partied. But the other funny story, and this is might offend some people, but Mike uh, at one point wanted to know if we wanted to, I don't know, there was some business deal that he wanted to get into with somebody else. So he brought somebody in from Vancouver and we all met in Yorkville, which is a shishi area in Toronto. Right. At a new place, uh, restaurant called One. Okay. And it had, uh, it was a brand new, uh, what's the uh, chef's name, McEwen or? I don't know. Mark McEwen, I think, was if, a if big his, name guy. If his last name doesn't end in McDonald's, I don't think yeah, I know yeah, who yeah. this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> so we get, it's a beautiful summer day. We're all out in the patio and we're having a few drinks. 
And then we order lunch. Right. And so they had a gourmet burger on the menu. And this is, I don't know, 2000, 2006, 2007. So this is a new restaurant. We're having lunch. And Mike orders burgers. And so I'll have a burger too. So we all had burgers. And Mike insists upon picking up the tab. Yeah. So he looks at the bill and he just about shit himself. Not only the drinks, but he says, they're charging $15 for a burger here. <laughs> he was just, it, it, Mike was never a tight guy. He never worried about it. You know, he didn't have Wayne Gretzky money, but sure. he, he was fine. But he, 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 it was more the shock that it was $15. And then this is like 15 is, years ago. This is before burgers were supposed to be anything but $2. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So, but this is a Mark McEwen burger. Right. So this is going to be, you know, it's a gourmet burger. And it was a really good burger, yeah. but 15 bucks at the time. So now we finish paying the bill and he's still shaking his head. We walk across the street and there's this um, homeless guy and he's got a coffee cup out. And he looks right up Mike and he says, uh, can you spare a dollar? And Mike says, Normally I would, but I just spent $15 on four burgers each. He says, I don't have anything to give you. <laughs> and I, it was so, I mean, it, it's, that wasn't polite, not politically no. correct, but I just, I just have to turn my head and I just cracked up laughing. <laughs> but that was Mike's sense of humor. No, I got no money. I just spent it all on I a $15 just spent on burger. A 50, are you kidding me? I just had a $15 burger. Like that's going to make the guy feel better, right? <laughs> What can I tell you? That was Mike, and uh, we had the, the great, great times. Yeah, you know what? I, I I'm glad we got this uh, this this episode uh, on on air uh, because I think it's important to draw attention, as I mentioned earlier, to to people like Mike who had such an influence on this industry and and may not otherwise be known by people who probably own a piece that he had a hand in making. You know, well, if uh, you can find a WGA piece out there, yeah, pick it up because it's only going up in value. Exactly. And I don't usually say that. Uh, because I always kind of go on the mantra that you, you buy what you like, and if it doesn't go up, it doesn't go up, but you still have a piece you like. But in these particular cases, the, the Wayne, Wayne Gretzky stuff is going through the roof anyways, but a WGA piece, 99 in the edition, they can't do any more of them. Yeah. That, that's a good yeah, limited for so many different reasons uh so mike brown uh, uh hopefully uh you know uh, kind of scratching the surface on all of the things that he's done in this industry and in so many ways over so many years uh, i know that he had a, an incredible influence on you as well not just as a friend but as sort of a business partner um anything else that you want to say yeah to just um i'm looking forward to seeing his son uh and the whole family mike uh, mike's kids uh, bobby and janelle congratulations on your upcoming uh nuptials and looking forward to see Alex and, and the rest of the family out there. And I know uh, his, um, um, Janet's mother, I think, just turned 100 years old. Wow. Yeah. So um, looking forward to seeing whoever is at, in attendance at the wedding. And, um, and I just wanted to do this in honor of your dad, Bobby, uh, because he was such a special man and your mom. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Great uh, words to go out on. Uh, another great episode in the books. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. I hope we uh, gave you a little bit of insight into our industry that you may not have otherwise had. Uh, once again, for Brian Aaronworth, president of Frameworth, and myself, Mikey Aaronworth, this is us signing off. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, we made it to the end of yet another episode. Thanks again so much for joining us. You can find videos of all of our episodes on YouTube by searching the Sign Off Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Frameworth Sport or Instagram at Frameworth Sports. And hey, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter over at, at Retrograde Mikey, or you can always find me embarrassing myself over on Instagram at Aaronworth. The Sign Off is a proud product of Fadu Productions and Sad Styles Productions, executive producers Mikey Aaronworth and Andrew Bascom. Until next week, this is Mikey Aaronworth signing off. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it.